So this morning we were in James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. So tonight what I really want to do is I want to dig in just a little bit more onto a few things, just a couple things, this t- that this text brings to light. And as we dig into these couple things, uh, think more on the practical side of how we can better encourage one another. So let's read the passage together again, starting in James chapter 3, verse 13, all the way through 18. God's word says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So to do a little background to cover the major points that we went through this morning, remember that James is coming off the heels of talking about the tongue. And as he talks about the tongue, he talks about the tongue being many things. It's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. It's set on fire by hell. It is a world of unrighteousness. Now the tongue being all these things and the way the tongue pollutes and causes our lives to be polluted and then causes the church, the community to be polluted and seeing all that pollution being spread through the fire of the tongue, he then moves to chapter 3, verse 13 through 18 where he begins to talk about our hearts. What fountain does the tongue pour from? Well, it's the heart. And so that's really where he's keyed in on is the context is showing that the tongue comes from something. It's got to come from something. And then later, uh, I don't know when, I'll preach next, but James chapter 4. James chapter 4, he begins to address quarreling. And really he's addressing this idea of disorder that's actually happening, happening in the church. So it's all ha- it all has this flow to it. So to make a, a summary statement of, of what we talked about this morning, the, really the goal of this morning's sermon was to help us have clarity on the kind of wisdom that the world promotes and the wisdom that God promotes in his church. That we would all see the pollution of the world's wisdom and the beauty of godly wisdom as we look at the products of both, that we would see that God can redeem and bring flourishing from what we foolishly use to destroy, that being the tongue. And God gives us his spirit. He gives us the spirit of wisdom in order to create and cultivate those qualities in our hearts. So the first thing we looked at was what is worldly wisdom? We really just asked that question, what is it? And this text showed us that there are three things, three characteristics of worldly wisdom. The first thing was that it's earthly, 
That means it's bound. It's used by men on earth. It's not outside of that. It's not of the heavens. It's, it's of the earth. Men of the earth, women of the earth use this kind of wisdom. And the second thing we saw is that it's an unspiritual wisdom. It's a natural wisdom. It's a kind of wisdom that is focused on natural things and appeals to the senses. And we talked about all those kind of things, the sensual wisdom of the world, the, what appeals to the eye, what appeals to the, to the taste, what appeals to the ears. And friends, you don't have to go far on YouTube to discover that what appeals to the world's ears is disgusting. What appeals to the world's eyes is distorted. It's a distortion of God's good plan. And then the third thing we noticed was that it was demonic. And the scripture by saying that is showing that Satan is the originator. He is the one who made this wisdom. The wisdom that the world uses did not originate in God. It's a wisdom that Satan developed and he himself uses. Next we looked at the qualities that worldly wisdom brings into our lives. So asking really the question, what does this worldly wisdom do? It's earthly, it's natural, it's demonic, but what does it cause in our hearts? And we saw two things. The scripture pointed to bitter jealousy, bitter jealousy, and selfish ambition. Both of those being products of a wisdom that the world seeks to promote. And we remember talking about the kind of tooting our own horn or honoring ourselves or putting our names on the billboard or honoring the name that we really don't have. Remember that, that quote by Carl Truman about how we are really just not that special. We are distinct in only the way that we kind of mess things up. There will come along someone that's better than us, that's more handsome than us, that's stronger than us, that's smarter than us, and more than likely that person exists on the earth right now. And that's just a humbling thing to realize because jealousy is the desire to keep that which we think we might lose. And then the selfish ambition or the envy um, on the other side of that coin of jealousy is trying to keep something or trying to, trying to get something that we don't have. And that selfish ambition is what we like to feed. So really what we find is that jealousy and envy and covetousness feed the beast of selfish ambition. Okay, so that's really the, the, what he lays out here. So that if we're jealous for things, if we're, we're selfish with things, covetous, envious, all those things feed that that selfish ambition in our hearts. And the next thing we looked at is what effect does jealousy and selfish ambition have? It causes hypocrisy infested churches. It causes hypocrisy infested hearts. And friends, what really happens is we have hearts that are filled with this jealousy, filled with this envy, filled with this covetousness, and filled with this selfish ambition and we don't tell anyone about it. We just kind of let it sit there. We let it fester. We let it stagnate in, this, in our hearts. And then when it comes out, it just, it just smells awful. The next thing we looked at, the fourth thing we looked at, is heavenly wisdom. Asking the question, what is it? So we first saw that it was purity. It is first purity. 
Then it was all those other things. And we talked about how purity is really the heart of wisdom. That when the heavenly wisdom of God comes into the heart by the Spirit of God, it creates first wisdom, or it creates first purity. Because if purity is not there, then peacefulness or seeking to be peaceful or gentle towards someone without the purity of heart, friends, there's a motive there. And it's not a motive that pleases God. So first we need purity of heart, which means that we need Christ. We need to be saved from our sins. We need the Lord to renew us and give us the second birth. And the next thing we looked at was we asked what characteristics were brought along as a result of heavenly wisdom. And we saw all those, peaceable, we saw gentle, we saw open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And friends, all of those are just products that flow from the seedbed of wisdom that creates purity in our hearts. So a pure heart, in essence, desires to be peaceful. A pure heart desires to be gentle. A pure heart desires to be open to reason. So and you can go on down the line. But then after that, we saw what effect heavenly wisdom has on the community. And really what it, what it shows us, what the scripture shows us in verse 13 of this, of this passage is that those who, by their good conduct, they show their works in the meekness of wisdom. So friends, if you ever want to find a person that is filled with heavenly wisdom, pray that the Lord would open your eyes to people who are meek. Pray that the Lord would open your eyes to people who are meek. And I'm not talking this fake meekness, this fake humility. I'm talking about a true spirit-filled and cultivated meekness. And friends, we have to realize that meekness is not something that the world promotes. The world doesn't like to be meek. We like to be strong. Or the world likes to be strong. But friends, God wants us to be weak. He wants us to be humble. He wants us to know that we need God. We need him. Friends, we just prayed. Every single outpouring of every single request that we just prayed is all a product of our expression, the expression of our hearts, and that is we need God. We need him. And then after that, the last point was about how we can promote this kind of peace in our community. So tonight I want to give a couple applications in light of the meditation on this morning's passage. The first thing is that Worldly wisdom is everywhere. We just need to pay attention. Worldly wisdom is everywhere. We just need to pay attention. We can't look at the world with rose-colored glasses, friends. <laughs> we must look at it with a sober lens. We can't think that it's not out there. This morning when I was getting ready... Uh, Riley, of course, is crawling everywhere. And there's this little training toilet that we're using for Silas. I know great, great imagery, right? But on the back of this toilet, on the back of this training potty, there's two buttons. And if you push one of the buttons, one of those makes a flushing sound, you know, like a normal toilet does. And the other button makes the sound of a crowd cheering. Now he's running, he's crawling around, and one of his favorite things to do is pulls the top off that little toilet and pushes those buttons. 
You'll just sit there and push those. Well, this morning, I remember standing there, listening to him push those buttons. And as I hear in my ear the applause, all I can think to myself is, that is worldly wisdom. That is worldly wisdom. It's subtle. It's so subtle that the world has it figured out to a science. It's so subtle that they want it to slither in your door rather than break the door down. Friends, this is the, this is the little toilet that my, two, my three-year-old might sit on. If my toddler goes to the bathroom and pushes that button and he hears cheers, he won't want to go to, pot, go to the potty again because he just wants to go to the potty. He wants to go hear the cheers. The genius of it, friends, and the genius by, I don't mean genius in the sense of good genius. The worldly wisdom behind it is that we all like praise. All of us, even when we're three. Isn't that, in, isn't that crazy? The world has figured it out so much that they know what we want. They know what our hearts want. We're sinful. So what do they do? They appeal to it, even at the age of three. So, when we say, do you want to go to the bathroom again? He might say to himself, of course I want to be praised. Things as simple as training potties can carry worldly wisdom in it. Now think about every extension of that, the commercials we watch. Sports channels are filled with this. It's filled with it. This worldly wisdom of appeal to your selfish ambition. Appeal to your praise. Appeal to your honor. Hey, glorify yourself. Talk about how strong you are. Talk about how good you are. Friends, worldly wisdom. All of it. The self-promotion, self-ambition, and it feeds the beast of selfish ambition in our hearts. That jealousy, that envy, that covetousness, all feeding that. The goal is to get people thinking that they can do anything they put their mind to. So they think that they literally can do anything they want to do because they want to hear the world praise their name. Now friends, let's just take a reality check. I cannot play in the NBA, okay? At one time, I would have loved to, but I just couldn't. I just can't. And friends, it's not because I don't have the will to do it. It's because I don't have the giftings to do it. God has not made my body with the abilities to do it. And friends, I mean gifting in that way. God gifts us all in certain ways. Now, you might ask, well, we don't, want to, uh, we don't want to cause our kids to be, or our friends to be, to be hurt if we don't praise them or now and then. So what do we need to do? Like, do we need to praise them just every now and then? Or, you know, we've heard that praising each other or lifting each other up is a, is a good thing. Well, friends, here I would like to make a, a distinction between praise and encouragement. Praise and encouragement. Praise is what we give God. And encouragement is what we give one another. 
See, if we praise one another, we puff up each other's egos. But if we encourage one another, we're building them up in Christ. Listen to the way Paul builds up the Christians in Colossae. So Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. He says, We always thank God the Father, of our Lord, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learn in, uh, it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us the love, us your love in the Spirit. Now, friends, we need to an- let's just analyze this for a moment. The way that Paul encourages these Christians. First, Paul says that he thanks God for them when he prays for them. How encouraging it is, friends, to know that people are thankful for you. What is a great way to encourage someone? Say, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. Now, that's not puffing their pride. Really what it is is showing is that thankfulness communicates worth. Thankfulness communicates usefulness. Thankfulness communicates that there's someone that we're thankful for because they're from another source. See, when we say we're thankful for something, we're communicating that something has given that thing to us. So we're thankful to God for those things. See, Thanksgiving is a wonderful time, isn't it? Thanksgiving. But often what we do is we'll sit around the table and we can, we can say what we're thankful for, what we're thankful for. But who gave you those things? See, thanksgiving from the very beginning was meant to be thankful to God for the things he gives us. See, thankfulness directed in the right way. Really, what it does is it shows us that we are thankful to God, or Paul is showing us that he is thankful to God for them. Second, the thing that Paul shows us is that he is thankful for, the, for certain things in them, namely that their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's thankful for their faith and their love for all the saints. Notice what he praises or what he thanks them for. It's not even them. He thanks them for faith that they have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he thanks them for the love that they have for the saints. He's not praising them for anything that they have in and of themselves. He's thanking, praising them, praising God for the things that God has given them. He's encouraging them by building up what God has given in them. Friends, one of the best ways you can encourage someone is say, I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing in your life right now. Point it out. Say, this is what the Lord's doing in your life. I'm thankful for it. The third thing we see Paul give, him, give them is the, is the foundation for their faith in Jesus and their love for one another. Really what he says is their hope. They have a hope. He thanks them for the fact that they do these things and he reminds them. Remember, you have a hope laid up for you in heaven. And what is the big thing we notice about these examples? 
Paul doesn't once praise the, Col- the Colossians. He doesn't once praise them. But he does praise God's work in them. See, friends, praise is focused on the individual and encouragement praises God for the work seen in our lives. Instead of praising someone and focusing on them as being the recipient of that praise, friends, encourage them by praising God for things that you see in their life. So to answer what we can do to encourage our kids or to encourage our relationships, rather than praising your friends or praising your kids, praise God. And do it in front of them. Praise God for the fruit that you see in their life. Praise those things. Lift those to the surface. Because, friends, what we're doing, whether we realize it or not, is what we encourage is what they will begin to value. What we encourage in their life is what they will begin to value. They will know that my parents are pleased with when I do this, or when I please Christ. Say I'm so thankful for you because I see the Lord is doing this specific thing in your life. Say to each other, be encouraged. I see the Lord doing something in your life. Be encouraged. I see fruit of the Spirit being bore in your life. Be encouraged. And remember how James encourages the Christians later in chapter, or earlier in chapter 1. How does he encourage them in chapter 1, verse 2 through 4? He said, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Now how does he, how does he encourage them? Because these trials are making you steadfast. Essentially he's saying, God's desire is to make you perfect, complete, Lacking in nothing. What kind of praise is that? (laughs) To praise God for the trials that he brings in our lives. It's not praise. It's encouragement. He's encouraging them for the fruit he sees in their life. Encouragement has Christ as the focal point and us as those he uses to accomplish his purposes. One of the best ways to encourage your brother or sister in Christ is to say, the Lord is using you. The Lord is using you. Keep being... What was that? Moving on. Keep being faithful. The Lord is using you. Keep being faithful. Or you served God's people today. Be thankful. Be encouraged. You served God's people today. Now think about the ways you can encourage each other, not by praising one another, but by praising God through the fruits of grace that we see in our lives. Friends, this kind of encouragement will not promote selfish ambition or jealousy because it is focused on God and not us. Because at the end of the day, praising God is the best medicine for our souls. One of the many reasons God's command, that God commands us to praise him is because praising God actually medicates the soul. Praising God medicates the soul. Praising God is, one of the, is the way God treats our soul's ailments. 
Have you ever had those times where you were discouraged and you just didn't really feel like coming to church, but you did anyway? We find very quickly that praising God and listening to the saints praise God together is the medicine that we needed. It's a medicine that our soul needed. And we leave saying, man, I'm glad. I'm glad I came to church. See, friends, the best antidote for a heart, a heart filled with selfish ambition is God's praise and praying for one another. Praying for each other is actually, it actually gets our eyes off of our problems and focuses our eyes on the people around us. It gets our eyes off of me, my own self, my selfish ambition. It makes me focus on others. Asking yourself, how can I serve them? See, selfish ambition doesn't ask those questions. How can they serve me is what that asks. See, worldly wisdom says when you have a problem, turn inward. While heavenly wisdom says when you have a problem, turn upward. Worldly wisdom says when you have a problem, turn inward. Heavenly wisdom says when you have a problem, turn upward. The second thing that I'd like to... uh, look at in this passage is that anger contributes to disorder and every vile practice. Anger contributes to disorder and every vile practice. James chapter 3 verse 18, if you want to read along with me, you can. It reads this way, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, if you want to flip over back to chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 20. Chapter 1, verse 20 reads like this. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And we notice that these two passages are built off one another. They're building off of one another. And James is doing this on purpose. And and it's interesting that he says this in chapter 1, verse 20. In a way, James is giving us two big parentheses, almost like handlebars, how to grab on to James and understand James. He's sharing with us that anger does not produce the righteousness of God, and if you want to have the righteousness of God, sow it in peace. In the first chapter, we see what doesn't produce the righteousness of God, and in the third chapter, we see what does produce the righteousness of God. So in a way, James is adding anger onto this list of jealousy and selfish ambition. So if you'd like to say, the trinity of poison in the heart, jealousy, selfish ambition, anger. Those three things. Now I'd like to say too, jealousy feeds selfish ambition. Selfish ambition feeds anger. Notice the the correlation. Jealousy feeds selfish ambition. Selfish ambition feeds anger. Because often, selfish ambition and, and, and jealousy don't show themselves. But they do through anger. In a way, James is saying that anger is the opposite of peace. Jeremy Pierre has a helpful thought when talking about anger in an article he wrote called The Roots of Sinful Anger. 
He says, people tend to get edgiest about what they're most scared of losing. Tracing that fear back will give insight into what might be fueling your anger too. If a professional is constantly anxious about his job performance, he will likely be angry with anyone who hinders him from performing. If a person is anxious about security in a certain relationship, she will be angry at any sign of distance or slight. If any child is, or if an adult child is anxious about making it on his own, he will be angry at anyone who threatens his sense of independence, even if the other person is trying to help. My point is that sometimes our anxiety gives us clues into our anger. So perhaps we can start by asking or seeking the Spirit in prayer or having a conversation with trusted friends about what we are so anxious about. It could reveal what we may be gripping with closed fist before the Lord. Friends, this goes right in hand with jealousy and selfish ambition that we talked about earlier this morning. Very often, anger will be the product. Anger is the product along with disorder and every vile practice. And we can see why. Who wants to be around angry people? Nobody does. So anger feeds disorder. Anger feeds every vile practice. Friends, what might you be gripping tightly? That if someone tried to pry it out of your hand, you might get angry. Friends, this is probably an idol. It's probably an idol that the Lord of glory wants to dethrone in your life. So friends, three things. Encourage one another. Don't praise one another. Encourage one another. Don't praise one another. Praise God and encourage others by praising God. The second thing, pray for one another. Don't turn inward. Pray for one another. Don't turn inward on yourself. Turn upward and turn outward. And the third thing, anger is often the trigger of an idol in the heart. Anger is the trigger or often the trigger of an idol in the heart. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for the time that you've given us. Thank you for the word that you gave us this morning. Lord, I ask that you would, by your spirit, uproot this jealousy, this envy, this covetousness. Lord, this this disorder that we seek to that we often do seek to sow in the church. And Lord, I ask that you would strip our hearts of that. If there's any motivation for power or prestige or name, Lord, I ask that you would just strip our lives, throw the paint thinner on our lives and cause us to live more fully for you. I ask that you would be glorified in our time this evening. We thank you for the time of prayer that we had. We thank you for the time of singing that we had. And Lord, we thank you that we were able to look at your word more closely. Lord, be praised by this gathering and may it encourage all of us.
In Jesus' name, amen.